Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Broadcasting today inside of the Octagon. Uh, Okay, I'm sitting in my studio apartment here in New York City. Welcome to the show. Former UFC champion, UFC Hall of Famer, NWA champion, WWF or WWE alumni. Listen, let's just cut to the chase. One of the baddest dudes on the planet. The Beast, Dan Severin. But first, some Marilyn Manson. This is Dan to be Severin, and you're listening to Mike Staffel, you better pay attention, otherwise I know where you live. Dan, what's going on, brother? Well, I'll just boulder down the road, see the USA for my Chevrolet, even though it's four but driving. And you told me you're driving 17 hours. Last week was 26 hours. Where are you going today? <laughs> well, I'm heading back from Missouri back to, to uh, Phoenix, so that's roughly about a 27-hour drive. Oh, my One God. Day. All right, so we'll... We'll do a 17-hour podcast. Sound good to you? (laughs) Well, I'll just say that I don't think uh, I'll I'll be in certain areas where reception will not be all that good for a cell phone. (laughs) Hey, Dan, what were you doing out there? Because I know when you went to Arizona, you were there for the danger zone, uh, doing tactics classes with law enforcement. What were you doing this time? Uh, This time was uh, all professional effort uh, related stuff. I went to, uh, boy, I had a hard time to pronounce it. The city I was just just going to uh, southern portion of uh, Missouri, and uh, I did their uh, uh, Comic Con for three days, and a professional show on Saturday night, and uh, now, that also there was Comic Con that I that well, finished up today at Sunday, and then that right after that finished up, uh, I went to a feast with the beast. You took those optional. And so when that finished up, I got on the road, and and, and now I'm just seeing it. I'm just outside of, well, not just outside of, probably a couple hundred miles from uh, Amarillo right now. Oh, my God. Now, you've had such a noteworthy career. True or false, is it true you were going to quit fighting if you won the gold medal at the Olympics? Was that true? Well, again, that, that, that wasn't fighting. That was for, for wrestling. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, we wouldn't be speaking today probably because uh, you know I would have uh, you know would have went off into obscurity because I would have been very happy with my amateur wrestling career. My whole goal was simply to uh, eighty-four, uh, be the Olympic representative at the two hundred twenty-five weight class, win the gold medal, and retire. Well, I don't know if you would have won the gold medal if you would have went to obscurity. I think your name would have still been heavy, don't you think? Well, I'll, I'll just say that what it, it would be like today. It's uh, you know, uh, where I still, you know, even though I'm not in the mainstream of fighting anymore, I'm not really in the mainstream of professional companies anymore. Uh, I've accomplished a lot since the '84 time period, but uh, you know, my 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 record career up to that point wasn't too shabby either. What are your other passions? Besides fighting, because every show you do is about fighting and stuff. So I want to hear what else you're into. 
start off wood, woodworking. I'm, uh, you know, think of me as my, my degree from Arizona State is in industrial arts. So think of me as uh, Mr. Snether, your shop teacher. I remember we spoke on the phone. You you were cutting down trees, picking fruit. Like it's crazy. Like no one pictures you doing that. Oh, I I, I know. Actually, I had, had the uh, the UFC uh, came out to my property. Uh, oh, this is probably less than uh, a couple months back. They were doing a segment called "Where Are They At Now?" And uh, nobody they normally only spent one day with each of these guys. Well, they, they spent three days with me, two days at my place in uh, cold water. Like I said, I, I have a well, I have a ten thousand square foot trading facility on my property, but it's a it's a unique property because me, it's like I, I, I'm still that farm boy, and I have uh, like twenty some odd fruit trees and a grape orchard. I've got uh, uh, you know I've got over two thousand hedges I've planted myself, and it, it, it's, it looks very beautiful. They just they said all the other guys, when they were shooting footage, it was all inside the gym. And they're like going, what can we do outside? I go, well, I go, what do you want me to do? I go, I said, I could prune fruit tree for you. I could mow the log for you. I could, uh, you know, show you my, my great barber. Maybe you know, it was time for, you know, pruning that back before spring hits and things of that nature. So they just thought it was cool. I'm doing all these family kind of things, but they're like going, but I said, I need to put on the right outfit. So I had to put on my... My, my bib overhauls and my, my work boots, and they, they just thought that was so cool uh, that I was doing stuff like that. And then they're like, what other kind of family things could you do? And I'm like, well, would you like me to, would you like me to sharpen an axe? And they just, <laughs> they thought that was a cool thing. They shot more footage of me sharpening an axe on a grinding wheel because the sparks of Brian. And then I thought I had to stop. I go, I said, guys, this is the sharpest this axe has been in probably the last decade. So, did you still train all the time in gym? And just tell me about because you told me when we spoke about like the law enforcement tactics thing. Because you're doing that all over the country, right? Yes. Matter of fact, when I was down at the surgeon's office, professional wrestling, there was different officers that came around that, that you know they, you know, law enforcement really loves mixed uh, martial arts. I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, they, they love it, but but also fact that mixed martial arts has has uh, I don't know you do you, maybe that use the word invaded but but it's affected okay there you go it has affected uh, law enforcement has affected corrections it's affected our military and to where it's recognized and it's incorporated now in a lot of the, the training so I I, I helped uh, I had a uh, a national trading company approached me at the uh, around the 1994 time period, and he said, "Can you can you help us improve our ground defensive tactics program?" I died like, "Why? Well, I I don't know." I, I said, "I did not know what what you guys were doing in the first place." So I said, "Show me what you're doing, and I'll, I'll see what I can do." And uh, they showed me their same thing. They're like, "Oh yeah, I could I can improve what you got there by a lot." And uh, that's what I basically did, and uh, it just, you know, and I, I kept improving it more and more. Or within the first probably three years, I probably hit all the old, well, what if they do this, and what if they do that? And I pretty much covered all the old, what if situations, because I've been teaching basically the same class since that time. So 
he would be at the Missouri just out this past weekend. A few offices came up for talk to people, just, just big fans of mixed martial arts, things of that nature. Just talk to them. I might tell them about my program. So I might be, uh, I, I, now they want me to email up all the information about it. They, you know, they, they want, they show me their, their training facilities that they have. And uh, they want me to come back. So I might just make another 27-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we just actually mentioned, like, what an amateur, like, what a decorated wrestler you are. I know we don't have too, too much time, and you're not live here in New York City, but explain how you got into UFC 4. Were you a fan of it, and then you called in? How did that even happen? Because I actually don't know the story, how you got involved in UFC. No, I never, never watched it. Uh, a buddy, I, I, I lived, you know, cold water, uh, fished in rural area, did not have paper, paper, uh, capabilities. I was located at, at the time. I mean, you can go back, go, go back to time there. You wrote that that '92 uh, period, '93 period of time. You know, pay-per-views were only prevalent in the major city metropolitan areas. So uh, a buddy of mine happened to watch like the first two, and he copied about an old VHS tape and showed it to me. Says, "Hey, you are think about doing this." And I see people being kicked in the face. I see teeth that fly that out. And I'm like, well, you know, these are not exactly skills that I possess. But he says, well, he goes, look at this cute little guy doing jujitsu. And of course, he was referring to Hoist Gracie. And I, I thought, well, my dad's got to be close enough with an arm's reach to punch me, legs reach to, to kick me, DB, elbow me. And I thought, well, just stay out of range. Close the distance when you get an opportunity. Clinch him or take him down, and don't let him get any any shots off on you. That that little basic principle served me quite well for a twenty year career. So, so now you didn't reach out to them; they reached out to you. Like I'm I'm curious how that, like, hey, I want to be a fighter, or I know this great fighter oh. Dan Severin. How how does that call happen? No, 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 no. I I, I ended up uh, there were martial arts magazines like Karate, Kung Fu, and uh, things of that nature. That there was applications. I I filled out an application, sent it in. No one ever called me, but a few more phone calls were made by, well, a, a lady by the name of Phyllis Lee. She was involved in the professional school. I, I was already at that 92 Olympics pursuing my professional career. She also saw my, my resume at Al Snow's uh, Body Slammer's gym, and she made some phone calls to uh, the UFC office. I, I, I She spoke way to uh, Art Davey. And uh, I had to be going out to Los Angeles on a professional wrestling uh, show, tour. And our baby came out to watch me in my performance. When the match was done, you know, I was brought over to beat our baby. And the very first words he ever said to me was, uh, uh, you do realize what we do is real, don't you? So I don't wish to curse any of your listeners <laughs> that uh, let them know what professional wrestling has a predetermined outcome. I mean, I don't want them to you know, cry that the Hulk Hogan dollars or John Cena toy action. But, uh, uh, but there is a predetermined outcome, and uh, that's why, you know, all these shows that take place so that they can build towards their, their book that they feel. So I just said to Mr. Davies, oh, well, yes, I do there, Mr. Davies, and he's like, well, what's your What's your professional fight record? And I'm like, well, I don't have one of those. 
And he's like, well, what's your average advice? I said, oh, I don't have one of those either. And he's like, well, what are your skills? Because to me, it's like, I don't look at wrestling as fighting whatsoever. And uh, I, I said, well, I've been an average wrestler for 26 years. And, uh, you know, now he's, he's kind of like condescending. They talk it down to me. And he goes, well, he's a wrestler. He has a lot of rules and regulations. And I'm like thinking, well, it's so like he's blowing me out of the water here now. So I thought, well, I just said, I told him, I said, uh, you know, that's true that Mr. Davey, that amateur wrestler has a lot of rules and regulations unless you're involved in international competition. You'd be surprised what you can do when you have a foreign opponent on foreign soil and be the closest thing you'll ever see to one of your UFC-style matches. And it, uh, it caught his uh, attention. He says, well, what do you mean? I says, well, let me reiterate my very first international experience ever. At uh, 17 years of age, I'm part of a U.S. all-star team that travels to the uh, country of Turkey. We're supposed to be wrestling Turkish wrestlers between 16 and 18 years of, a- of age. My first opponent is a 35-year-old military man, fully aged, Beatness, ugliness, muscularity, all intertwined. And this guy's, you know, walked a pace of back and forth before the match, you know, like some caged animal. We just can't wait to get this uh, piece of this weedy looking American. And when we, we finally get on his back, you know, and he, he does this thing called a uh, collar tire. He reaches up, cups the back of my head, grabs a wad of my hair, you know, yanks my head back, headbutts me, and then, then, uh, then uh, rips a wad of hair out of, out of, out of my, my head. It throws it down on the ground, and as I'm back down with my hands up on the side of my face, you know, with the blood trickling on down, I'm looking at that and like, you know, my opponent is about to be disqualified because that's what happened inside the United States. Uh-huh. But as I always tell people, well, we're not in Kansas City there anymore, so no, we're in this guy's backyard. He's probably related to the referee. So I'd be living at, during this time period, they, they did not stop. Amateur wrestling matches for blood. Uh, you know, like you do today, you know, with all the blood pathogen scares, you know, if, if, if both they see a bloody nose or something like that, they stop them. But back then, they, they did not stop matches. You actually wrestled with a handkerchief inside your signal. So if you had a bloody nose, split lip, you reach in, you grab, you wipe, you shove right back into your signal. You did not stop for blood. So, I mean, that's what I did. I reach in, grab my handkerchief, wipe my eyebrow, shove my the, the handkerchief back in. I'm, I'm pissed. I hit the guy with a little hollow. Put him on down on the mat. He's down and I'll get left. I don't want to be at the guy. So he's telling his belly's out. I'm on top of him. And there's the technique called the cross face. You take the folded portion of your arm uh, across soft facial tissue. And you'd be nice, but it's short range. You'd be a little bit more motivated. You can cock that on back and slam it in there while I'm motivated. I cock that on the back. I slam it in there. I break. I, I know I broke his nose when I hit him. But now I have all this pain shooting at my heart because he is biting into my forearm, trying to take take a chunk of U.S. grade A out. And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, I think to myself, I'm going to kill him. I actually reached out with that other arm, and I'm trying to pull. I'm rolling my, my forearm back up. I'm trying to... I tried to jam that chunk of cartridge to the black hole of space called his skull. And uh, as, I, as I'm 
hit a huge snap crack of pop as I am trying to roll right back at up. Referee's throw the whistle, pull my arm off out of position, and he's penalizing me for an illegal maneuver. As I stand up, I'm showing the bank marks in my forearm, penalized my opponent for an illegal maneuver. At the end of the first round, or first period, there was uh, at this, during this time period, excuse me, during this time frame, amateur wrestling matches for three three-minute periods long. At the end of the first period, he sent me back my quarter. I'm a bloody mess. He sends my opponent back to his quarter. He's a bloody mess. His coach, his, his Turkish coach, is so angry at his athlete that he loses this weedy look at American. He, the coach pulls out a stick about the thickness <laughs> of a broom handle, proceeds to beat his athlete to motivate him. So I always tell people, I always tell people, when I was, when they said, weren't you nervous when you walked into that, that, that case of like this? I'm like, nope. I could speak the language and at eight point time that something was going to go so wrong, all I do is do a Hey, referee, I've had enough fun for the night, or a little tap on the, uh, on the, the mat, and I'm out of harm's way. <laughs> now, Dan, that's they my should... first experience. Yeah, they should be filming uh, the Turkish wrestling over the UFC. That sounds fucking intense, man. Well, but Mike, I, I was like, between my amateur wrestling career, special wrestling career, and my cage fighting career, the safest thing I've ever done is cage fighting. I've been hurt worse <laughs> in my amateur wrestling career and my and my uh, professional wrestling career than cage fighting. How is that even possible? But that's the truth. <laughs> Back to UFC four. When you went there, it was the I actually went and rewatched it. It was the old tournament style. Before you went into the UFC four, you didn't know who your opponents were, and I say opponents plural because it was the tournament format. You're fighting two or three Correct. matches a night, so you went in there completely yeah. blind on who you were going to fight, right? You would uh, okay. If the event was uh, held on a Saturday night, I'll use that as an example. They would they brought you in on a Friday. And there was a press conference. Think about like uh, today they, they they do a weigh-in on a Friday night and then they compete on a Saturday. Well, back in the Doho's bar days, they had a press conference because, like you said, you know there, there were no weight classes, so uh, they, they just held a press conference on Friday night. So you had uh, the eight men that were going to be involved in this in the tournament. Uh, they had the the, the uh, Toastmaster or would be in, in, in the, the center, and then you'd have four athletes on, on the left side and, and four athletes on the right side, and then they basically they pulled out a big go ball machine. It had eight uh, of, of, of the you know eight numbered pieces that were in there, and each number piece had a name on to it. So as they spun around, they're like, okay. Uh, First ball comes out there, okay, it, it's the same like the catch there, right? Okay, the uh, tents, they, they put them at, at, at the number one spot, spin their pin again, okay, here's the uh, hoist base, he's number two. It, he, that's the first match that was made. So it was all, it was all blind draw. You guys just watched him do this little big ball machine, and you finally found out who your opponent was 
on a Friday night. And, you know, that, that, now you have Scrap that trying to, to, to find out anything about the guy was. Is he a taekwondo? Is he karate? Is he a boxer? Is he a kickboxer? Muay Thai. So you try to find out whatever you possibly can. And then, uh, then they're fighting him. Come Saturday night in a no holds barred contest. No holds barred beating. There was no, at that time, that's only two rules. Do not fight your opponent and do not sit fingers in their eye socket or the only two things that you were not allowed to do. Other than that, heart blocks. Oh my. Now, looking back now, how insane was it that you guys fought two and three times a night? How, like, that's not even normal to think about that now. It's like they had no, no regard I mean, for the fighter. Well, I mean, it was, it fit, it fit just fine for the amateur wrestler. Because wrestlers are used to doing multiple matches. If you progress to, like, currently, uh, like, the rule leagues, uh, for high school, for example, you are allowed to do up to a maximum of five matches in one day. Now, that, again, now that, that's usually over a, a long period of time, you know, mm-hmm. whereas over the course of a, of a whole day tournament, whereas the UFC was doing this within a matter of, uh, was doing this all in a matter of a two-hour pay-per-view. So, you, no. the, you know, the, the, the theory, again, the, the theory I was wondering with was that uh, try to minimize the damage that you take Try to finish it off fast as possible. Minimize damage as much as you possibly can so that you could be uh, that better prepared for opponent number two. And then, especially when it comes to opponent number three, because again, it's unlimited time. You don't know how long the match is going to last. But during that Doho's Bard era, the average match was two minutes, 22 seconds. A very violent two minutes and twenty two seconds, but that's what it was. If, if they were to change the element of go rounds and just say unlimited time, you would not see the match of laughter. Nowhere near as long as what they land today. But now, yeah, I just that round concept, that, that round concepts just happens to it saves people. I just looked it up. There was under six thousand people in attendance for UFC four. It wasn't yet big. It was like a cult following. When did you know? Correct. Was there an inkling, was there an inkling like, holy shit, this is going to be big? Did you know when this was going to be worldwide and how big? Oh, was there a moment? Oh, no, no. Oh, when I, when, I, when I first watched it, when I first watched it and I, and I saw how crazy this was, I was like, first off, I, I, I looked at my body and I go, I said, you could do this in the United States. And... I had a couple other buddies that, that, that you know, this uh, a couple of the time intervals, I had a couple of buddies that said they had to just stop by just and they wanted to see me for a quick minute. So I, I, I deliberately had that tape ready and I put it in and I, I just stand there in my living room and, the, and my buddies were talking to me and they, they were telling me how quickly they had to be in and out. Well, an hour and a half later, they're still sitting on the edge of my couch now and they're screaming and howling at at the TV as I watch the Steve's tape play, and I, I'm watching them. I'm thinking, well, I think there's something here. <laughs> and can That's, you, in your wild, yeah, in your wildest imaginations, could you have ever dreamed of it being as big as it is now? Like this is pay per view. There are parties. There's 
ESPN, Sports Illustrated, would you ever think it was this this big? Oh, yes. I, I actually wow, okay. expect it to. Uh, I expect it to be go to the uh, one level higher. Yeah, to have it done a like a Super Bowl slash WrestleMania concept. Yeah, that when they do that, it will have mixed martial arts will have reached its utopia. It's not there yet. We don't have that Super Bowl of that that takes place yet. That mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. See, that's always my when I talk about UFC a lot of negatives people are saying is like okay there's a pay-per-view every month every month they're saying this is the biggest this is the biggest they need one centralized event just say every July and that would be the card with the big big matches that everyone waits the whole year to see do you agree with that oh yeah I can it's just like doing like a Super Bowl slash, mm-hmm. you know, WrestleMania slash, you bet. Everyone would like to see the champions, the champions fighting each other. You know, have the best champion from, uh, you know, King of the Cage versus uh, a UFC versus a Bellator versus, uh, you know, World Series of Fighter. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of organizations out there. Just pick some of the best people. But the, the difficult part about that is, you have different ownerships of companies, and uh, they know, you know now now you have to deal with these individuals, and uh, some of them may not wish that to happen to their athletes. The one thing that was fascinating about you was while you're fighting in the UFC and fighting for real, you were also doing NWA, WWE, WWF stuff. Was it hard to flip the switch? Oh yeah, I mean, people would never realize. I mean, I was, uh, I was still actually doing some amateur wrestling, right along with doing professional wrestling, on top of doing <laughs> uh, the cage fighting. But but the thing was, I'm not. Even though I worked for the number one company in the world, the WWF is what it was known at the time. Now known as WWE. I'm non-exclusive to the WWF, meaning I can work for any company I want, including WCW and ECW. They both existed at the time, so I was already working for the NWA, which stands for National Wrestling Alliance. I was already working for the National Wrestling Alliance. I was their heavyweight champion. Uh, you, know, I, you know, for example, I'm the only guy ever to be, to stand in the octagon cage, holding up a UFC championship title belt along with a professional wrestling title belt. You know, they got this cat by the name of uh, Brock Lesnar that, uh, you know, I said, you know, that claims to have done it uh, the first time. Well, I, I did it basically 20 years before. <laughs> hey, how did Vince give you the non-compete? Like, the he didn't care what you did because he seems to run a tight ship. How do he give you the okay to well, I, still fly you know, on I, stuff? I, 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 I don't, I don't know if he. I, I honestly don't know if he actually do all that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of my, well, again, there's there's other people that that do a lot of negotiations because there's there's, a, there's a, a, a wealth of talent on the professional team, and there's really not that many opportunities. Well, the well, the, the part that put me kind of in the driver's seat is I didn't call them; they called me. So it put me in a position of advantage for uh, negotiations. They were trying to negotiate with both Ken Shamrock and I at the same time because they, 
day. I think ultimately decided to put on Shamrock Seven Three, a third mm-hmm. third time beating each other. Ken went to work almost one year ahead of me uh, because I was sticking to my guns that I wanted to be not exclusive. And the reason, the, the rational reason is, I'm not this 27-year-old guy going to hop in there. I had other things going on in my life. I did not want to simply pull the plug on everything else I'm doing for two years, because it was a two-year contract that was being offered to me, and then they don't like the color of my hair at the end of two years, and now <laughs> I leave this organization and have to restart everything back up again. So I, I really stuck my guns about the docs' exclusivity. They they agreed to it. So as we're in the office, you know, Vince is coming in. He, he goes, I think got done. You know, everyone's slapping each other on the back, shake their hands, all this kind of stuff. And, and through the course of conversation, a couple of different time periods got told out there. And finally, like, Vince was like, uh, he looks right at me. He goes, well, well how old are you? And uh, I'm like, 48. And uh, Vince looks right back at Jim Ross. He goes, he, he goes Jim goes, who's the oldest rookie ever? Dad. But I did not look 48. You know, go get an accident. You know, but, but I, you know, like I, I've had you know, that extraordinary career to where I defied age barriers at a young age when I did my amateur wrestling career same way as I defied nowadays and defied ladder years. You know, I mean, I, I started this cage fighting career basically just before turning 37 years of age. Who starts a cage fighting career at 37? You <laughs> retire from it, but that's when I started. And I went 20 years beyond that. And I, I, I'm proud to say that I'm lifetime chemical free. And the, 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 real, the real kicker is I only did two training camps in a 20-year career. Twice. Oh once, for 30, once for 32 days, once for 35 days. Everyone else should be embarrassed that somebody who was older than their father kicked the butt. <laughs> hey, Dan, about the wrestling, was it easy to turn the switch on? Or, like, you're in the ring, you know it's scripted, obviously it's not fake where you can get hurt, but was it easy to turn the switch on? Like, hey, I'm about to rip this dude's head off, and now I'm in the WWF regular match. No, no, no. I, 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 I just wrestled again just this past Saturday. Professional wrestling makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Why is that? I am so much more calm doing a real match. Well, well because if I go out there to do a real match, all I have to do is go out there and get results. I'm not trying to fill a window of play. You see, each, each match that goes out there, a promoter will come up to you and say, uh, you know, I want to uh, uh, say, okay, uh, Mike Stance wants you to be about a uh, 12 to 15 minute match. And, okay, uh, Mike, you're going to win, but you got to win by cheating and so that we keep Dan looking strong as the baby face. So, so, so they'll give you the basic parameters of what they're looking for. And now we work out the logistics between us. How do we want to orchestrate this? Okay, uh, you're going to do this. You know, just leap off the, the ropes, you know, or you know, grab a chair, smack you around with it, or you know, it's body slams. They're, they're just, it's, 
professionals it is a very it's a very physical storytelling. I mean it's uh as I said earlier, I've been hurt a lot worse in my professional wrestling career than, than my cage fight. Cage fight you can walk out there and I think the fastest fight ever I think was right around that what, eight second mark in the UFC. So you know, the, uh, it was well get results in one otherwise it's an entertainment product that uh, you had to fill a certain window of time or a certain outcome has got to, to take place because everything builds up to the monthly pay per view that's taking place. Now Dan, fond memories of timing W yeah, you, you broke up a little bit there, right? Sorry, Dan. You, did you have fond memories of your time in the WWF? I'll, I'll say in, in the beginning of my career there, I was being utilized the correct way. But then it came to a point that they realized they were re- reluctant to put a strap on me, you know, like a, a belt or, or a title or something like that, because they had no, they had no control mechanisms over me. I could come and go as I please. I mean, I, you know, the deal was the average wrestler wrestled 187 dates. That's that was a standard contact. That's a lot of dates. Hey, I have a question because uh, I'm just thinking now about you and the WWF. Was there ever like? Because I know, like, I watch old wrestling stuff, and there's always famous stories about ribs and people making jokes in the locker room and stuff. Was there ever a time when they tried to do a rib on you or they just didn't fuck with you? Well, I mean, it was when, when I first began. When I first, uh, it was a part of the WWF. Yeah. What I noticed was every time I saw they were referring to each other by either their first name or by their, their ring name. They'd be like, hey, Rock, hey, Taker, hey, uh, hey, Steve, hey, Stone Cold. I mean, they again. Names or ring names, and then every time that they encounter me, it was like, "Oh, and, and, and how are you today, Mister Sever?" It was always Mister Sever, and I'm going, "I okay, well, I'm thinking, hey, they're just busting my balls." I just did say that, but just kind of let it go for a few weeks. Well, finally, I had one of them all by himself. I had uh, the, the 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 character drop, and uh, and uh, you know he, he hits he hits the deal of uh, you know. Are you doing that, Mr. Severn? And uh, I, I like what well, I'm doing that. There, I'm doing it. There, I'm like, I'm not, you know, my question is, I go, I, you know, this has been going on for a few weeks now. I go, I said, this is a, a little, a little uh, rib, a little fun there, stuff like that. He looks at me and he's like, uh, goes, dude, he says, no, he says, you, you scared the shit out of us. He goes, we're afraid if we hit you for real. You're gonna have like flashback, and you know, it's a suplex for this for real. And you're just gonna, you're gonna tear it apart. And what, are we gonna, what are we gonna do? We can't do that. Let's just stop there. And I just laughed. I said, I said, I'm here for the same reasons that you guys are here for this. I said, This is just, you know, we're putting on a show, we're gonna work together, we're gonna keep each other safe. But it was just going, it's like, you know, this, he just, he was just worried that, yeah. But Dan was going to have some, some UFC cage fighting flashbacks or something. <laughs> hey, Dan, they never fucked with you and gave you, like, a silly gimmick. Vince McMahon never came up to you and go, Dan, we're going to make you a clown. They didn't do anything with that. They always kept you the fighter? Or did they try a silly gimmick route with you? Well, it was always kept to the fighter. But now, as I knew stuff was going to come down the pike, 
and what I meant by that is that uh, they're going to change you from from a from a baby face, a good guy, to a heel, a bad guy, or a heel to a baby face. So that that is the transition. So I, you know, when I first went to uh, when I was, was first working for the company, I was basically classified as a baby face. I wore the same outfit from the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I had Jim Cornette with me. He, he's basically my mouthpiece. He's carried a couple uh, belts out to the to the ring. I've carried a couple belts. I'm just going out there, and I'm not really saying nothing. I just got this uh, this uh, this strictly business type of an attitude. Just going out there and just dispensing people. So it was being as being utilized, you know, really. Uh, the correct way. Well, now the creative team is pitching me. Well, now we're going to take you to the dark side to uh, you know, turn you to heal. We're going to put 666 across your forehead, mark of the beast. We're going to make you an undertaker disciple. We're going to, and I'm, I'm like, I put my hands up like I'm making a tea, and I'm like, blow with that, blow with that, like, and I thought that I thought, not going to happen. I go, <laughs> I live in small-time USA. I am not going to have any repercussions against my family, against my businesses, or against me. And I go, I said, you don't understand how many people buy into this crap. I go, I won't. That's not going to happen. Well, I mean, I, they weren't exactly happy uh, that I poo-pooed out of that really quick. And, uh, you know, then they're, 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 they're like, well, you know, we could. Wait, so, Dan, you think if you would have went the whole, like, ministry of darkness, that you're a Satan worshiper, you think it would have had uh, residual effects back at your hometown with your family? Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, was that wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I, well, yes, there, and it's same token, yeah. First off, I had, I only had a, I, I have a reputation. I have an amateur reputation. I already had a UFC reputation, and now if I start doing something as dorky as putting six and six across my forehead, and then all of a sudden this company releases me, it, it, it's going to be the last thing people ever remember. Ever. I am not going to go out that way, where I was six, six, six across my forehead, you know, being a song before, you know, the Undertaker or something like this. No, I, that, that, that's not the way I, I, I'm not going to work. Now, for most of these guys in that industry, they would probably have jumped at, at an opportunity like that because what other skill sets do they have? Yeah, you had an outside so, life. You had you had everything else going for you. Not that they don't have anything yeah. going for them, but you had a whole different career. Correct. And I'm not about to, 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 to take that, that career either. So I did that for, I, you know, now, but the, 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 what I was, what the expected was, now they, they're like, one of the road agents says, well, you know, Dan, we could start using your poorly. I go, well, what do you mean by that? And uh, he says, well, he says, we could, we could start, we could start having you lose matches. I go, okay. I go, I go, uh, you could, I think you could ask me to lose a match. I go, but where did <laughs> Where does it say anywhere in my contract I have to lose to anybody? 
I go, what if I walked into your world of fantasy and I turned it into reality? Do you think you got anybody on your roster that's going to stop me? And this was, you know, just this, this was probably just a few weeks before the Royal Rumble was going down. And the Royal Rumble is, you know, they sent an athlete, I think every 90 seconds, something like that, they sent a new athlete out there. They, you know, it goes on for the whole thing, goes on for about uh, one hour, you know, the, the Royal Rumble, or to be a little bit longer than that. So I, if you already know that. Okay, if I go out there as number nine, one out be enough to turn out as number fourteen. You, you you just gotta know when you're going in there, and you gotta know when you're gonna be exiting the ring. So I kept thinking, huh? What if I should give <laughs> WCW? Uh, what if I, if I should give WCW a phone call, speak to Eric Bischoff to say, uh, hey, uh, what's it work to you and WCW when it's time for Dan Severn to exit? The Royal Rumble, I don't exit the Royal Rumble, and I turn fantasy into reality. And now ben, this is this is this is a live pay per view. It's in front of a live audience. The audience is going to think it's part it's part of the show, but then they're also about just smacking guys for real. I throw them out out of the ring and stuff like that. I mean, with sure numbers, they'll get me out of the ring, but they still haven't got me out of the arena. So I might have been able to cut uh, a deal for maybe a million bucks for one night's work. <laughs> all right, Dan, I got but, you for like 10 more minutes. I'm going to hit you with a few quick questions, okay, all right? Sure. In your prime, could you mention him? In your prime, first Brock Lesnar, who wins? Uh, nobody at the UFC, nobody at the fight world has ever saw me at my prime. I was already a decade past my prime. My prime was from 1984. The 1986, I ruled the world and so. That was a sport of amateur wrestling. But by tra- of amateur wrestling, transitioning over, I was a monster. I could have gone up against King Kong, and King Kong would have stood a chance. You know, Dan, that's how actually uh, I walk around town. I know I'm the baddest guy in the town. Did you watch the Andre the Giant, uh, Giant documentary? Yes. Did you ever meet him or have any interactions with Andre? No, no, I never met him. Uh, some of the people that were in that documentary, like a Tim White, yes, I, 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 I you know, Tim was still with the WWF, and he used to tell me some Andre stories, and, uh, and, and they're they're just fantastic to hear. Any UFC? Because you're a farm, you're a farm boy. Have you kept any memorabilia or any moments that really stick out in your UFC or WWF career? Any memorabilia you keep? Uh, no, I, I've got probably 40-plus years of competition memorabilia in, in my, my storage facility. It gives like an idea. Like, uh, I've got my 1984 Olympic uh, warm-up, uh, and it's probably still in, it's probably still in the bank because you know, I, I was the alternate put it on. But, uh, yeah, I've got uh, you know, my 1984 Olympic alternate uniform. So, I mean, it's, that's stuff like that. Yeah, I've got wrestling shoes that uh, I wore at the Ultimate Fighting Championships. You, you can't wear shoes anymore, but, you know, they did they allowed me to wear shoes uh, in the beginning, but they're like, oh, if you wear shoes, you, you can't kick or stomp anyone. I'm like, well, what did, that, what did I lose there? Nothing. I don't kick or stomp anyway. Dan, when I, when I come out to that farm in Michigan, I'm going to go through your million things. 
probably got awesome stuff so I can take home with me. <laughs> hey, Dan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, a few more things. Is this true or false? Because when I told a buddy of mine that you were coming on my show, he said there was a story you told. Is it true they wanted you to like go to Mexico and like this is going to sound crazy. I'm not trying to be funny. Fight like animals. Was there like an animal UFC thing? Is that true or is that no, bullshit? No, 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 no. I, I, what, what it was, it, it, the, the, the story you were told, they just pieced it together incorrectly. Yeah, because a lot of people always ask me that I have, is that correct? I go, I go, I always ask, well, I always ask the person, well, how many matches does the internet say? Because I, I don't have a bother to look. And, uh, Whatever they say, I go. You, I, I said you could probably add another dozen or more matches to my career, and they're like, "Well, for what?" And I go. And I said, "But these are, these are unsanctioned events. They're, they were, you know, I, I, I've been involved shows that were held at rock boards. I've, I've been shows where uh, a businessman gives me a pager. Well, a lot of you always don't even go to pager, so it's a, they give you this pager." You 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 know you call the number when when the pager goes on off you have a plane ticket you fly to a designation you'll be picked up and you'll be taken to another designation there'll be food and festivities and you the entertainment today as you'll fight another day I mean I did a couple of those type of deals and the one down uh, was in Mexico now this 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 gentleman is saying that uh, they're gonna hold this event across the border into Mexico and they want to be they want to be tougher than what the UFC was. So they did not want to have any rules. You gotta realize the UFC only had two rules, nobody no I got just so they, they they want to say anything and everything go you can wear Levi jeans and cowboy boots if you wanted in this in this, in this fight. And they were gonna use a cockfighting pit. And 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 oh and oh excuse me, an oversized kit because they wanted to start with spilling blood in the same thing. And uh I turned that one down because I kept thinking, Well it, it, it's good it's really it was good money that was being offered. And I'm thinking, Well, as it, if if I should win this and it's time to do the payoff, what's easier to do? Give me a briefcase full of cash, or put a bullet in my head. <laughs> and I go, you know, I'll bypass this one. <laughs> so, so that's a fight you said no to. It's fighting a possibly fighting a rabid dog yeah. in a in, in a cockfighting yeah, yeah, yeah. in Mexico. Yeah, it, <laughs> All right, yeah, they might be there with, with the chickens, the dog. One UFC fight you would love to see now. What UFC fight would I love to see now? Yeah, like if you can put a match together right now that's going to happen for their Super Bowl of UFC fights, who would it be? Well, uh, probably. Well, the only one that jumps out to my, my mind right now would be uh, putting this Habib against Conor McGregor. Yeah, that, that, that's actually the fight everyone wants to see. Hey, when you watch the fight, do you critique it like crazy? Yeah, but see, I, I wanted to have that fight when I first saw Habib come on, on the scene. I actually... Mm-hmm. Uh, I even went with, I, you know, realize I, I worked for three different ownerships of the UFC company so far. Um, and, and, uh, and I've always made a comment that, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice little competition that they have going. 
but I haven't seen any Mongolians, Bulgarians on the roster yet. You know, you, there are certain countries that the people are living by the edge of of extinction, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think it would go it would go the conversation would go down something like this: You pay me how much to fight one mob? I give you. I tell you what, I give you group discount because it's just, you know, there's, uh, like I said, there's, I've been to a lot of these countries. I have competed against these guys. There are some freak of sources that walk this planet that, whew. Dan, two more questions for you, right, brother? Yep. You and I are hanging out. We're in Michigan. We're in a bar. You want to impress everyone in that bar. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back? Any big time names in your phone? I need one. I don't know. I think it's, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I've got some people from the movie industry uh, doing things, but uh, I'm trying to think who would who, that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've got, I've got some cool people. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I met like Shaquille O'Neal before, and, and he was uh, at, at the. Uh, Maybe if I don't have his phone number or nothing like that, but it, it was kind of a, a rather comical meeting and stuff like that because I was once for the WWF at the time. All right, I'll, I'll take Shaq as your answer. Dan, listen, my man, this was an absolute pleasure. I live like an hour from it, maybe an hour and a half from Atlantic City, so hopefully we link up before that. If not, in Atlantic City, we'll meet up. We'll do a live show, right, my friend? Yeah, that's just fine. Just let it, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll last little plug I'll put for myself there. If any listeners want to know a little bit more about what uh, this guy called the beast, they can go to my website at www.dan7.com. Yeah, Dan, I'm actually going to put your plug in the beginning of the podcast so everyone listens to it in okay. the beginning. Hey, you you also have a book, too, your autobiography. Can you get that on your website yeah. also? Um, well, that's not there yet, but uh, there's reasons for that. But I, I don't really push that yet. Uh, I, I will uh, more once. What the few other things get, get taken care of. All right, so screw the book. Buy the Dan Severn shirt. Go to the Dan uh, Severn website. <laughs> and Dan Severn, listen, an absolute pleasure, my man. Thank you so much. You are welcome, Mike. <laughs> Dan, that was amazing, my man. Safe travels, and I'll talk and to you soon, my brother. Professional Wrestling 101. Take care, Mike. Thank you, brother. Right. The Beast, Dan Severn. Hopefully the uh, audio quality was good on both ends. I know uh, Dan's so old school, he still has a flip phone. <laughs> Because I was trying to send it, Dan and I have been texting now for a couple months trying to set this up. We wanted to do a live show in Michigan. I know he was coming out near the East Coast. I wanted to link up with him. Like, how can you beat doing a live show with the Beast? But, um, so he has a flip phone. I didn't know this. So I'm sending him pictures and all this. Phone rings. It was like 11 o'clock one night. And Dan's like, Mike, I'm on the road. I'm like, oh, Dan, I'm sorry, bro. I didn't mean to keep texting you. And he's like, uh, yeah, I got a flip phone. So I have no idea what you're sending me. So hopefully his audio is all right. Dan the Beast 7, everybody. UFC Hall of Famer. UFC Champion. Go back to that UFC 4. Go to YouTube. That's like the craziest shit ever. Dan fought three times. He fights in the first round. He wins in like two minutes. 30 minutes later, he fights again. And then fights in the tournament final and wins it. So those old school UFC things was a shit. There was no, uh, I know he says no rules, no regulations. There was no weight class. So everyone, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast on any podcast app. Just search Mike Sappho, M-I-K-E-S-A-F-O. Enjoy, everybody. Thank you for listening.